Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
Today is Monday, July 19, 2021. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. For the first time in 20 years, the Georgia, uh, first of all, the U.S. Senate Rules Committee uh, heads to a field hearing. It took place in Atlanta. We'll talk with the head of the Georgia Coalition for the People's Agenda about that uh, U.S. Senate Rules Committee hearing led by Senator Amy Klobuchar. Texas Democrats who left the state to block the passing of voting laws organized events to draw attention to the issue this week. Also, five of them actually tested positive for COVID. We'll talk with one of the House members. Billionaires, uh, of course, um, two billionaires, big billionaires, uh, are headed to outer space. One last week, one this week. We'll talk to uh, rocket scientist Aisha Bo about that. We'll also be joined by Crystal Mason, the Texas woman who was convicted of voting illegally. She has a hearing uh, that uh, is taking place. We'll also get inside of the courtroom report from Jasmine Kane about the trial of sexual predator Ed Buck. And in my book club segment, We'll hear from former Alabama Governor Don Siegelman about his book, Stealing Our Democracy, How the Political Assassination of a Governor Threatens Our Nation. Plus, in our Fit Live Win segment, work it out while traveling. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. Folks, today in Georgia, the U.S. Senate Rules Committee held their first field hearing in 20 years focusing, fo focusing on the issue of voting rights. You might recall we asked Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, who was the chair of that committee, on the show on Friday, uh, and she talked about why it was important to actually go there. Guess what? No Republicans chose to travel to Georgia for this hearing. It was only Democrats uh, who heard testimony uh, about the need for federal voting rights legislation such as the Voting Rights Advancement Act, named after John Lewis, but also for the For the People Act. Now, uh, this, folks, uh, the meeting took place. We live-streamed on Roland Martin Unfiltered, uh, and so the meeting comes two days after the first anniversary of the death of the late Congressman John Lewis, folks. And so, you know, talk about uh, just, again, a significant issue here. Joining us now is Helen Butler, convener of the Georgia Coalition for the People's Agenda. Uh, she testified at today's hearing. Glad to have you on the show. Uh, first and foremost... Uh, Georgia, uh, for, for first and foremost, I'm um, sorry, Helen, explain why was it important to have this hearing uh, there uh, in Georgia uh, today? Well, Roland, thank you for having me on and for carrying this information. It was important to have the hearing in Georgia because we were ground zero. We were the beginning of all of this voter suppression laws. Sorry, Helen, go ahead. Georgia was the model for all of these voter suppression laws. We started it off. We were at ground zero. So it was important that we hear from Georgians of how this voter suppression laws are impacting voters in Georgia, especially 
black voters and people of color. So we were happy that Senator Klobuchar and all of the committee members uh, that showed up uh, came to hear from us today. So obviously, when it came to uh, this hearing, Repu no Republicans showed up. No, they didn't. And that tells you that they were concerned about our right to uh, exercise our right to vote, nor are they concerned with democracy. So we are glad that, again, that Senator Klobuchar had this hearing so that we can put it on the record. Uh, Martin, we've been uh, registering people, mobilizing them, and we take to the courts when we have to. So again, this was a great way to get it on record as to what has happened in Georgia, how it will impact black voters in Georgia and other people of color. Uh, so we were happy to have them here today. Uh, obviously, um, Republicans do not want to move uh, on the uh, For the People Act, uh, but uh, this is a part of the sustained pressure that has to happen uh, in order to get action from the U.S. Senate and these holdout Republicans, uh, Kristen Sinema of Arizona, excuse me, the holdout Democrats, Kristen Sinema of Arizona and Joe Manchin of West Virginia. It's the choice for me. ...of urgency. It is now. We cannot wait. As I said in our uh, vigil that we had on Saturday, in remembrance of Congressman John Lewis, this is our Selma moment. We have to have a Voting Rights Act. We have to have S-1, uh, the For the People Act. And we want to have um, Senator Warnock's bill that prevent the takeover of a boards of elections so that there is not total control by a majority of one party or the other. We want to have uh, the continuance of democracy for all voters. All right, then. Uh, well, Helen, we surely appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, keep the pressure up. Thank you, Roland. All right, let's go to my panel, Dr. Dr. Julian Malvo. She's the dean of the College of Ethnic Studies at California State University in Los Angeles. Dr. Omakongo Dabinga, professorial lecturer at the School of International Service. American University. Uh, glad to have uh, both of you with us. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Julian, pressure, pressure, pressure. That's really the only thing uh, folks have to apply pressure uh, on these two uh, Democrat holdouts in the United States Senate to push them as much as uh, uh, folks can. Uh, we saw the action last week when Congressman Joyce Beatty and others got arrested. It's gonna be action planned this week. It's gonna be a massive march in Texas next week. I mean, this has to be looked at, as I said before, as Freedom Summer 2.0, uh, this sustained action all across the country uh, to keep this issue front and center. You know, today, uh, Reverend Liz Theo Harris, who is the co-chair, the Reverend Barber of the Poor People's Campaign, was up at the Supreme Court. I don't know if they were arrested or not. They were prepared to be arrested. Uh, they asked 100 women from around the country to come uh, on the filibuster, on voting rights, uh, on the minimum wage. And um, that that's what we have to keep doing. These people don't get it. And they're not going to get it unless we make them get it. Not only should we be outside their offices, we should be following them around. I'm not saying stalking. This is not permission to break the law. but. Definitely be following them around, be raising issues, because this is insanity. 
that uh, it's a year after John Lewis died, and you know he wanted those that Section Five restored, and they don't want to do it because what they know is that when they deal with this stuff, they're really dealing with the voices of the American people. Roland, I owe you a solid. Last week, we were on the show, and you raised the issue with Rich Lowry of school boards. This week, I wrote a column about it. We have to look down about. We do, you know, you get excited about we have a president, Madam Vice President, fine, whatever. But what we see in terms of state legislatures is that these people are down ballot. A lot of people ignored their elections, and now they're there writing the rules. And so... You know, right on to Reverend Liz Theo Harris, right on to Reverend Barber. There is a lot of work that needs to be done. Congo, the, the, on this particular issue here, uh, again, what has always uh, worked historically uh, is a level of sustained action. I think people have to understand, uh, and we have to put these thing, things in historical context. You don't just get it just because. Uh, it takes time. Let's go back to 1965 in the Voting Rights Act. Democrats control the House. Democrats control the Senate. Democrats control the White House. And the 1965 Voting Rights Act was not easy. They had to contend with a filibuster led by Southern Dixiecrats, who were Democrats, who were joined by some conservative Republicans. That existed. That took time, but it took pressure. It was the events in Selma that actually led, that caused the nation to see what was going on to say, we must do something about voting rights. Absolutely. And I think we also have to be mindful of the fact that back during that time, there were a couple of Republicans who actually went over and supported that. And right now, we don't have any of that. Biden didn't come in with the same level of, of support in, in, in the House or the Senate that LBJ had. And so he has these thin margins. And when you talk about cinema, when you talk about Jim Manchin as well, those guys who are, and actually, quite honestly, there are actually some other Democrats who are just very silent. They don't want to be the face of it, who actually are with Manchin and Cinema as well, which we're going to have to pay attention to. And so you're right. It's this sustained effort. LBJ basically said, make me do this. And we have to make people do this right now because so many of us have this idea of, well, we're just going to vote them out in 2022. Well, I'm sorry. If they make it that so that you can't vote or if they have these guys who can overturn elections and the like, who, who will favor the, 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 the people who won that they like, you're not going to have that opportunity. So it starts now. And too many times we have this mentality, okay, we'll see you in four years. No, it starts now. We got to get Congress Act. We got to get Manchin and Cinema and all of these other guys. Keep that corporate pressure on and keep calling on anybody who's standing in, fight in the way of, 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 of our voting rights. That's what Congressman Lewis would want, and that's what we need to keep doing. And that's why, uh, Julian, what we have to understand uh, on issues like this here. Uh, you're in it for the long haul. Uh, we, we kept saying during the election, folks, elections is the end of one process, the beginning of another, and people just can't go, all right, election's over, we good, we did our part. No, the work continues. Well, you know, voting is not the most you can do, it's the least you can do. I mean, you vote, but then there's so much more to do. Uh, the piece I wrote this week is called Please Run for School Board. I mean, Rich Lowry is saying we can take over education 
by taking over school boards. So we don't go so far down the ballot as to pay attention to school boards. But as you often said, school boards determine what kind of books you're ordering, you know, what kind of contracts you have, all of that, who maintains the facilities, uh, zoning boards. Uh, when we look at the fight around gentrification, zoning boards make a difference there. We, you know, we talk about voting rights, but it's not just voting for president every four years. It's about voting, not only voting, but being in these people's faces. I mean, because, again, it's the least you can do to vote more is to be in these people's faces, to say to them, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. We're seeing what's going on. Our, our democracy is being eroded, and we're allowing it to be eroded because of our inattention and in, inaction. And so, um, you know, the action that black women took last week with NCNW, uh, Latasha Brown and the others, the action that's been taking place this week, it's important. But who stayed home? And the people who are staying home, I'm just saying to y'all, shame on you. Shame on you. Don't look up here in, in another couple of months and say, oh, you know, this happened. It happened because you let it happen. And, and that really, I think, is what, what we're seeing. We're hearing from folks on the Congo, uh, from Black Voters Matter, Reverend William Dr. Barber and others, that it has to be sustained action, constant pressure being applied uh, in this country and constantly raising the awareness of Americans. And one of the things that's beautiful about it is with so many of these new organizations, I'll be very honest, there are a lot of younger people who weren't veterans of the civil rights movement who said things like, you know, oh, I don't believe in marching. I'm not really down with that. I'm going to do it this way. And these newer organizations that have come up with people of my generation and younger, they are seeing that that works, that taking to the streets works and taking it to corporations work and taking it to social media. You can't just share something on Facebook, kick like and tweet and call it a day. You need that sustained effort in front of the people. And one of the beautiful things about it, like when you do your next generation segments and programs, young people are learning from the old people, not taking, you know, this mentality of we got this, your time is up. We are building this together. I mean, John Lewis's last public appearance last protest in Black Lives Matter Plaza. And so I, I'm so happy to see that the, the generations are connected. But like Dr. Malvo said, there are too many of us across all age groups that are staying home like this isn't as serious as, as it is. Uh, absolutely. And of course, uh, we're seeing uh, Texas House Democrats, uh, they're still in the nation's capital uh, dealing with this issue. Uh, but they're also now dealing with another issue. Five of them have now tested positive uh, for COVID-19. Uh, that is uh, one of the issues they're also dealing with. Uh, the names of uh, those members uh, actually have not been released, but Texas lawmakers, uh, they, those that here in isolation and to be safe, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, who met with them, is being tested regularly as well. Joining us right now is Texas State Representative uh, Retta Bowers. Uh, glad to have you and Roland Martin Unfiltered. First of all, uh, how are your colleagues doing? You know what, Roland? Thank you so much for having um, having me on tonight. They're doing well. Um, we are still hard at work. They are isolated, but we just had about an hour ago um, or two a COVID protocol uh, session, and you know, with an infectious disease doctor from back home. So they're doing well. Many of them, we're all vaccinated, so many of them are having low to no symptoms. 
Um, and so, and obviously, uh, y'all have been moving uh, all about uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, is that now going to change uh, how y'all do business? Uh, are, you, are, you, are you limiting meetings? Are you going to be more virtual? Uh, are, fo um, are, are, are any yeah. members uh, beyond those five, uh, are they in isolation? Just want to make sure how y'all maintaining uh, safety and your health. We are. We are definitely maintaining our safety and health by by going virtual. Um, I mentioned earlier today, that's the beauty of, of some of the things that came out of this pandemic. We do know how to work remotely, so we have been um, in a, a national voting rights conference this week, and many of our guests have been virtual. Um, members are testing daily, and um, we are, you know, taking best care for, with those members by sending them positive notes, dropping off food at their doors, and, and keeping them hydrated. So we're doing well. The momentum is still there. And um, I heard one of my Sarah say, we will not shrink. What, what is happening uh, now? We, we've been hearing, seeing uh, different reports that uh, y'all are continuing to plan um, activations, uh, public demonstrations. Uh, other events. And so what's going to be happening this week? Uh, I know there's a, there's a big event being pl pa uh, planned for Texas next week. We're going to be there uh, from the 27th uh, through uh, the 31st. What are y'all going to be doing here in D.C.? We're still here. As I said, we started that conference today. So the conferences with Mi Familia Vota and SEIU Texas, they're our sponsors. We've been hearing from many activists. Um, we've been hearing from, we'll hear from some secretaries of state. We'll hear from other legislators across, this, across the nation. And we're just here continuing the fight to, uh, for the freedom to vote and access to the ballot. Uh, we are giving updates back home, so I'm glad to have this chance to talk to you. Um, but even though we are faced with this situation, the momentum continues. So in terms of uh, meetings, uh, one of the things that we heard, we talked about before, Senator Joe Manchin mm -hmm. said he was, Senator Joe Manchin said he was going to meet with Texas Democrats. Has that happened yet? We, that meeting has happened already. That meeting thankfully took place last week. Um, members met with uh, Senator Manchin as well as Schumer, and they do understand the urgency of now, especially Senator Schumer, from what I'm hearing from colleagues. Um, and, and Manchin just mentioned being aligned, that we need to make sure that uh, what I heard you all say earlier on the show tonight is that we just continue applying the pressure as best we can. And unfortunately, now it will have to take a, a virtual, uh, it will, we will have to take it to a virtual space. What, uh, what are you calling, uh, are y'all also calling your constituents to participate uh, in the mass rally that's being planned for the state capitol uh, next week on July 31st? Most definitely. We're making calls back home, giving updates, encouraging people. We were so very encouraged to see the pastors um, in the last week. Many of our pastors took bus loads, so we are encouraging people and working with organizations on the ground back home in Texas to take people to the Capitol and to be present at those events. So the, the larger the group, the better. I mean, um, one thing we do know is that moving around now, you just have to be a lot more careful. Uh, absolutely. All right, then. Uh, Representative Bowers, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Roland. All right, you take care.
Uh, Omar Congo, uh, the, the actions uh, by, by these Democrats is important. They're going to be sticking out until at least August 7th, uh, which is the end of this current uh, a special session uh, that was called by Texas Governor Greg Abbott. I, I really have to commend Representative Bowers and, and her colleagues for doing what they're doing. I'm hearing stories about some of the situations that they left behind, aging parents. One person canceled their wedding because of this work. They're making the sacrifices needed. And we really have to make sure that we have their back. We have to be doing more. We don't, we don't live there, but we could be making phone calls. We could be emailing. We can get out on the streets with them, participate in, in, this, in these virtual programs right now, because really, at the end of the day, what Governor Abbott is doing is, is draconian. They show that they don't care. All they care about is power, and they are willing to arrest their own members. And, and look what's happening across the country right now. You know, they're, they're passing these laws. No filibusters allowed in these state houses, right? They don't, they don't care. All they care about is maintaining power. And so I commend them for standing up. And we have to do more to, to stand with them because it's incredibly heroic. Uh, Julian, uh, again, uh, you use every, every single um, power that you can. Republicans are running roughshod. Democrats got to respond best way possible. This is what they've done here. The Texas Democrats uh, should be commended, as Obakongo has said. They should be commended for their courage. Uh, they got out of town really quickly, um, and good for them. But that's, again, it's step one. The fact is that across the country, Republicans are trying to snatch back voting rights. They do not want a democracy. They do not want people to vote. They want to have their way. And they're very adamant about it. They want to have their way. When it becomes a criminal act to hand somebody a bottle of water but standing in the sun waiting to vote. That lets you know how desperate they are. When you want to arrest members of the Texas legislature because they refuse to ram, uh, allow you to ram uh, draconian legislation down to people's throats, we know how insane this is when 40 states, 40 states are considering similar legislation. We know that this is crazy. So what we know is that we do have to surround these people not only with our love, prayer, and support, but, you know, love, prayer, and support is going to get you but so many places. we got to throw our money in there. we got to put our bodies in there. We have to make sure that we have their backs because they're fighting a fight that is actually over 100 years old. They're fighting a fight, you know, post-Reconstruction. We had to fight for the right to vote. And here we go again. And all we know about that is that these folks don't want us voting because when we vote, human rights, civil rights, women's rights, so we win. When we vote, we win. And so we just have to be supportive. This is, Roland, I can't tell you how frustrating this is. I'm in a state now in California where this is not an issue, although we have other issues uh, with the governor's recall, but this is not an issue. But you know what? It's an issue nationally, and we've got to fight it. Absolutely. All right, folks, got to go to a break. We come back, we'll hear from a black expert regarding uh, Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos uh, going to space. What does that mean for Americans who are not astronauts? We'll talk about that. We'll also uh, talk about, uh, the, talk to Crystal Mason, the sister out of Texas. Remember who went to prison for voting illegally. Her appeal is being heard by the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. Uh, and so we look forward to uh, uh, hearing, talking to her about getting an update from that as well. All right, folks, we'll be back on Roller Mark Unfiltered in a moment.
I believe that people our age have lost the ability to focus the, the discipline on the art of organizing. The challenges, there's so many of them and they're complex and we need to be moving to address them. But I'm able to say, watch out Tiffany, I know this road. That is so freaking dope. <laughs> Racial injustice is a scourge on this nation, and the black community has felt it for generations. We have an obligation to do something about it. Whether it's canceling student debt, increasing the minimum wage, or investing in black-owned businesses, the black community deserves so much better. I'm Nina Turner, and I'm running for Congress to do something about it. George Floyd's death hopefully put another nail in the coffin of racism. You talk about awakening America, it led to a historic summer of, of protest. I hope our younger generation don't ever forget that nonviolence is soul force, right? What's up, y'all? I'm Will Packer. Hello, I'm Bishop T.D. Jake. What up, Lana Well, and you are watching Rolling Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals agrees to review a heavily argued illegal voting conviction. Crystal Mason faces five years in prison for casting a provisional ballot in the 2016 election. Now, at the time, she was on supervised release for a federal conviction and did not see her name on the voter roll. Mason submitted a provisional ballot at the advice of a poll worker, not knowing she was ineligible to vote. Now, although Mason has claimed she unknowingly voted illegally, prosecutors convicted her of a second-degree state felony. Now, keep in mind, uh, this case is similar to Hervis Rogers, who was arrested and charged last week in Texas with two counts of illegal voting. Rogers cast ballots while on parole. He said he also wasn't aware. Now, attorney, general, attorney generals from Connecticut, New York, Illinois, Massachusetts, Nevada, Oregon, and the District of Columbia released a joint statement regarding Rogers' arrest. Now, this is what they said. The unwarranted criminalization of Hervis Rogers' error is a grave miscarriage of justice. By casting his ballot in the 2020 primary, Hervis Rogers was simply attempting to fulfill his civic duty. Now he's potentially facing decades in prison. The prosecution is a clear attempt to intimidate voters, deter participation, and show, stoke fears of fictitious voter fraud. Texas is disguising voter suppression as election security and disenfranchising millions in the process. The voting system needs reform, not restrictions, and we stand with all the champions of justice in Texas, including the state's House Democrats, in fighting for fair and accessible elections. We will continue to do everything in our power to protect and expand voting rights throughout the nation. Now, Crystal Mason, her attorney, uh, Kim Cole, join us right now. I'm glad to have both of you back on the show. So, uh, so what's the status of the case, Kim? Where, where does this stand right now? So, obviously, as you mentioned previously, Crystal's um, appeal has been filed with the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. The state has filed their response to our appeal and we are currently finalizing our reply to their response. And as soon as that is in, 
then the court, it's in the court's hands. They will review it and they will make a decision as to whether or not Crystal will have to serve five years in prison or uh, they will send it back to the lower court. They can reverse it. Um, they can, or they can uphold it. Um, so for folks, again, who are unfamiliar with the case, just walk people through what happened because two things were going on. First of all, uh, Crystal was previously in prison on the federal level, but this is a state issue. And so explain to folks right. so they understand what's going on here. Okay, so Crystal was, um, she pled guilty to a federal charge related to her tax preparation business. Um, so she pled guilty to, um, to that charge, the federal charge, and served out her sentence. She was sentenced to five years, I mean, I'm sorry, um, she served out that sentence and then she got out and thought she was performing her civic duty and went to vote. However, apparently her name was not on the uh, voter registration rolls and they ended up charging her. And actually she, she didn't actually vote. She filled out a provisional ballot because her name was not on the, uh, the list of registered voters there at her uh, normal polling place. So she filled out a provisional ballot, went on about her business. A few months later, she was arrested for illegally voting. And no one there at the polling place, no one in the Federal Bureau of Prisons, no one advised her that she was not eligible to vote. She was on supervised release from her federal sentence. And so she had served all of her prison time However, she had a period of three years of supervised release, and she was still on that, uh, in, within that three-year period. And no one ever told her that that would render her ineligible to vote. So she had no clue that she couldn't vote the day that she cast her provisional ballot. And she was tried, convicted, and sentenced to five years in prison. As a result of that, they violated her federal sentence and sent her back to prison for an additional 10 months and also added some additional time of supervised release to her sentence. So she has already done time for this particular, uh, for voting. And that's on the federal side. Uh, Crystal, it, it, the amount of time, money, and resources that Texas is expending on this is ridiculous. At your trial, Kirk, if I'm wrong, didn't your parole officer say you weren't told you couldn't vote? The supervised release officer, the su my supervised release officer supervisor testified mm -hmm. on the stand that no, we never told her she couldn't vote. No, she never signed anything. There was no paperwork in place. And yet I was still found guilty of illegal, illegally voting and sentenced to five years. So no one told you, but you, you, you're supposed to just somehow know just because? Correct. Correct. So how do I know I'm doing something wrong if I was never informed? Do you believe that Texas is trying to make an example out of you in order to uh, intimidate others? Definitely. Definitely. And when they sent me back to prison, 
right before, um, I think it was an election going on mm-hmm. in September. Yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. what we're doing. This is... Roland, yeah, the, the, Tim, go ahead. They even said in, in her trial, the state, the district attorney even said, Your Honor, let's send a message and please sentence her to a stern prison sentence to send a message. <laughs> so, yes, they're trying to make an example out of her. Um, they don't want people that look like Crystal to vote, period. This is... Uh, I mean, it, it's just incredible... Also, Krista, when you look at other cases where mm-hmm. people mistakenly voted and they were like, mm-hmm. okay, you know what? Uh, they were let off real easy, but they happened not to look like you. Yes, I see that all the time. I just, I think I just seen one today where you go to the Capitol, you commit a crime, and they give you eight months in federal prison, and yet the act that you committed was so outrageous and here I am didn't even vote but I'm charged with illegally voting and I'm fighting I've been fighting for four and a half years waking up every day not knowing if I'm going back to prison over illegally voting and I never voted this is I mean it's just incredible that this thing is still ongoing uh and it and it just makes no sense um, any idea, Kim, when the Court of Appeals is going to issue their ruling? None whatsoever. Um, it took them several months to even agree to, uh, to a discretionary review of her case. So it could be anywhere from a few weeks to a few months. It, it, it just, there's, it just depends on the court and when they decide to make their ruling. And so we have no clue, but as soon as we file our reply, which we will file this week, um, it's in their hands. And they will make the determination as to whether or not uh, this five-year prison sentence will be upheld. Uh, man, just just unbelievable. Um, uh, uh, Crystal, how, I mean, you, you're sort of left in limbo because, you know, before... You know, you were getting your life together. You were you were you were trying to live, and all of a sudden, it got upended. You went back to prison. Now you're out. Now uh, you may go back. I mean, that that has to be nerve wracking. Rolling it is. But what I did is, um, I started an organization, Crystal Mason, to fight against voter suppression. So what I do now is I go out and I encourage people on how important it is to vote and try to educate them if they're el- if they're eligible to vote now. And what I said was, I'm going to keep moving forward, trusting God that things are going to work out in my favor and I'm going to keep living and um, just trusting God through this process. And I met, <clears throat> I met Harvest and this is a 62-year-old 62, 62 man that been on parole for a very long time and was given uh, a voter's registration card. And this man did not mean to do anything wrong. He, he cried like a baby, like, I can't believe that I'm in this position, you know? And this is just so heartbreaking because it, re- it reminds me of when I first started this journey. So I'm just glad that he has support and I just pray that everything works out in his favor as well. All right, then. Um, anything, any final words, Kim? Certainly. Roland, this Crystal's 
conviction, um, the new charges against Mr. Hervis Rogers, all of this new legislation that's been presented is clearly, it's all clearly efforts to intim intimidate voters, to suppress votes. It, they don't want people who look like Crystal, people who look like Hervis, people who look like me and you, they don't want us to vote. And that's what all of this is about, not just in Texas, but all across the country. And that's why I am very proud of the Texas Democrats for standing up and holding up this egregious voter, supposedly <laughs> voter integrity, which essentially is voter suppression laws that they are trying to pass here in Texas. We have got to stand behind them. We've got to stand behind Crystal. We've got to stand behind Hervis Rogers because they are actually trying to send a 62-year-old man to prison for up to 20 years, which could essentially be a death sentence for him. So we've got to stand behind them and get these, these egregious charges dropped against him as well as overturn Crystal's conviction. All right, then. And also, I think before there was a GoFundMe. Is that for Crystal? Is that still active? Yes, it's uh, Justice, the number four, Crystal Mason. Justice, the number four, Crystal Mason. All right, yeah. folks, be sure to pop that in for, in, into a GoFundMe. Uh, Kim, Crystal, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Thank Roland. You. Um, again, you know, the, these, are, these are the things that, you know, keep going over and over and over, Julian. Uh, and again, we see these white folks who vote uh, illegally. Whole different response than when the black folks do it on the wrist when they do it. They didn't mean it. Oh, let's just overlook it. This is absurd. This woman has been in limbo for five years, uh, just as the other brother has. Um, but this is reminiscent of what happened post-Reconstruction. It's reminiscent of my Auntie Anna Mae from Moss Point, Mississippi, died at 101, was candid a jar of jelly beans and told how many jelly beans in this jar. Of course, she didn't know, so they couldn't. She couldn't vote because she couldn't count the jelly beans. Uh, we've we've seen this crap happen time and time and time again, and the problem is that we keep thinking that when we win one battle, we won the war. But the fact is that we have not won the war, and we will not win the war until we get these devils. Yes, I said devils. D e v i l s. D and evil. Get them out of power. A Mitch McConnell, devil. Um, Get them out of power. They don't want a democracy. They want an oligarchy. They want to run the show. And I, I just got to shout out to Crystal and her attorney, Kimberly, for the work they're doing, because it's just so very important. Omakongo? First of all, thanks for getting that, that GoFundMe information out there, because she definitely needs all of our support. And when you talk about these other cases, I'm thinking about the case in, with uh, Bartman in Pennsylvania, who got five years probation for voting twice and admitted to it, admitted to everything that he did, five years probation. This is a war. And many people said that when Trump came into office, it was actually the end of, the, of, of, of a second reconstruction, really, at the end of the day. And we have to get our minds historically around that fact that history is repeating itself. People think that just because people aren't out there with nooses and burning crosses and the like, that somehow everything is fine. These guys are smart, they're, they're intelligent, and they're doing this stuff in very subtle ways, chipping away every single day and in every single way at all of the opportunities that we have to advance ourselves in this country. And we have to support Crystal, we have to support Rogers in every way possible. And she said that he cried like a baby when, when they spoke, 62 facing 20 years. 
we, we have to, as Dr. Malvo said, they have. There is no other option. They have to be taken out of power. And for those of us who would think, oh, it can't happen to me. Oh, she's a quote unquote criminal because of whatever happened in the past. You got to be ridiculous to think that because they are going to come for you. They start with cases like this where they think people won't care. And then before you know it, they're knocking on your door and you're like, hey, I don't even have a record. They don't care. They see us all the same. Wake up now. Support Crystal. Support Rogers. Because if we don't change it now, it's just a matter of time before it's you. And you know, uh, go, no, go uh, ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. He says it's subtle, but it isn't subtle. That's right. the thing we You're have. Right. This is frontally attacking people's voting rights. There's nothing subtle about the ways that they insist on cleaving to the filibuster. There's nothing subtle about these laws that are being passed. This is deliberate. It is as deliberate as anything else. And we have to be clear. Let's not look for nuance. Let's just look for truth. Right. Well, well, and, and the thing here, to hear the prosecutor say, oh, yes, yeah, send a message. I mean, give me a damn break. I mean, this is, I mean, that amount of time for this is just silly. At best. It is ridiculous. <laughs> it, it, it is And, again, we got these activist courthouses right now where they feel like they can do anything, probably a Trump-appointed judge. And this is another reason why this voting matters. You know, people just focus on the Supreme Court, you know, that, that they got during the last election. But there was, what, over 200 judges that were appointed across the country. So we're going to see more of this. Why isn't the person who made her fill out a provisional ballot being questioned or being, you know, having any, any charges brought up on, on them at the, at the end of the day? This is every time we look, they're taking another opportunity to steal our opportunities and, and our rights in this country, and we just can't let it happen. Um, and again, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that we're fighting, uh, fighting against because it is specifically targeting people of color, Julian. It's specifically targeting people of color, also older people uh, who have limited access, also poor people who don't have the automobiles or other transportation to get to the ballot. The fact is that these folks want to have a white oligarchy. They want the country to, even as they're losing population and losing everything else, they want to keep this power. And too many of us, Roland, are afraid to call them out on it. Now, many do, you do, others do, but there's so many people who are in elective office who are silent. That's the problem. You know, the Democrat, Democrats, um, the Democratic Party has a lot to answer for here. Uh, Jamie Harrison, appreciate him, but not as aggressive as we'd like right now. Democrats need to be speaking up. Uh, Madam Vice President, doing the right thing, but she needs to be a little bit more aggressive. This is not about going to do square dancing and do the do whatever. Uh, I, don't, I don't have the metaphor correct. But this is really about of the fight of our lives. If these people are able to take these voting rights away, we're back in the 1940s, if not earlier. And I gotta, if, if I can, we also have to, another community we have to add is uh, our families within the, what people call, you know, the disabled community when they talk about limiting access. And what these Republicans do is they are so 
they, 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 when they frame it as a black issue, you know, issue that, that faces us, all of these other communities sometimes act as if they're not also being targeted as well. And again, it's a situation of, well, that's just their problem, and then before you know it, you can't do it. Every community that doesn't have money, that doesn't have access, and in, in many of these cases, at the end of the day, are just not white, are going to have issues with access to the vote. We have to stop it now as they're building day by day, chipping this right away and that right away. Otherwise, we're going to lose it all. Well, yeah, and that's, and again, uh, this is why we focus on these issues. Uh, some of you have asked about uh, the uh, Justice for Crystal uh, GoFundMe. Uh, go to my computer, please, if y'all see it. Uh, let me know if you have it up. Uh, and, and again, um, give, give me one second. Let me do screen mirroring here. Uh, this should do it here, I believe. All right, here we go, right here. Uh, all right, folks. Uh, they they so the, the goal is a hundred thousand. They raised seventy eight thousand uh, fifteen bucks. Uh, so just uh, simply, if you type in uh, Justice Four, the number four Justice Four Crystal, uh, it'll come up right there. Uh, and so uh, go ahead and do that uh, to support uh, Crystal Mason as she uh, continues to battle uh, the state of Texas, uh, who are just being complete idiots uh, when it comes to her voting. All right, folks. Uh, Got to go to a break. We come back. Let's talk space. Does it really matter? Hey, Richard Branson, Jeff Bezos, they're trying to do what NASA used to do. Got a black rocket scientist up next to tell us it does matter. We shall see. It's coming up next on Roland Martin Unfiltered. White supremacy ain't just about hurting black folk. Right. You got to deal with it. It's injustice. It's wrong. I do feel like in this generation, we've got to do more around being intentional and resolving conflict. You and process. I have always agreed. Yeah. But we agree on the big piece. Yeah. Our conflict is not about destruction. Conflict's gonna happen. Hello, I'm Nina Turner. My grandmother used to say, all you need in life are three bones. The wishbone to keep you dreaming, the jawbone to help you speak truth to power, and the backbone to keep you standing through it all. I'm running for Congress because you deserve a leader who will stand up fearlessly on your behalf. Together, we will deliver Medicare for all. Good jobs that pay a living wage and bold justice reform. I'm Nina Turner, and I approve this message. The King Movement of 1955 is the first time in a very violent civilization, Western civilization, any sizable group of people started to work to change by insisting we can use nonviolence power to create the change. Gandhi said that nonviolent power, the power of life, is the greatest and most creative force power of the universe, and that if we human beings turn away from conventional wisdom towards using the gift of life, which is ours at birth, we would be surprised what the future of the human race will look like. Everybody, it's your man Fred Hammond. Hi, my name is Brescia Webb, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Ow. Well, I like a nice filter usually, but we can be unfiltered. All right, folks, a lot of attention 
uh, has been focused on space travel. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, we've seen Richard Branson, the billionaire, travel to space. Or did he really travel to space? This week, in a couple of days, Jeff Bezos, the Amazon founder, he also is going to be uh, in the clouds uh, as well. So, so what does this actually mean? Does it matter? Does it really impact us? Could we really do more with it? So what's, what's the real deal here? So I reached out to Aisha Bo. Uh, of course, uh, she's a rocket scientist, uh, worked at NASA, now uh, uh, owns her own company, to get her uh, thoughts on this. All right, Aisha, so, all right, explain this to me. Why is this important to regular, ordinary folks, or is this to rich-ass guys just playing with expensive toys? Roland, Branson and Bezos going to, into space matters, and let me tell you why. First, let's start with the money. I believe you're watching the creation of what could be the next best investment to Dogecoin. Sure, you got a couple rich guys in space, but the stock in Virgin Galactic was up 4.1% from the flight. Now, the ticket prices, no, they're, they're not cheap. It's rumored that they're going to be $250,000 per seat, but you don't have to have that to get in on this action. A stock in Virgin Galactic is $32, and there's about 600 people that are rumored to be on the waiting list to take a flight. In fact, there was a poll of people with a network worth of $5 million, and over 39% of them said that they would be willing to launch themselves into space, Roland. Now, Bezos' flight, it's not as cheap as Virgin Galactic. His fourth seat went to an 18-year-old from the Netherlands for the bargain basement price of $28 million. And guess what? There are other people who want to pay that price because the teenager was the second person on the list who was willing to pay that. So the first thing here is, even if you're not interested in space, even if you're not motivated by the idea that we've got billionaires competing for space territory, I don't want black America to miss out on what could be a really good investment. But what, okay, all right, I'm, I'm still confused here. Okay, first of all, you talked about $28 million. If we look at the net worth of African Americans, it's about $5,000. You talked about also buying the stock. All right, how, I mean, again, how, how, does that, how does that help the average person when you've got half of the country who isn't even in the stock market? And so how, how does Branson and Bezos advance the future of, 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 of space and America? Uh, and again, the average person, I've got people, again, who are going, all right, I got two rich white dudes who talk about going to space. We got other issues down here on Earth. So what is it? So, so again, let's, sure. say, let's say if I'm not in the stock market and I ain't got $28 million to give away to hop my ass on a, on a, on a, on a, on a plane, how, how does it benefit uh, uh, the average people? Well, first of all, Roland, a flight is more expensive than a single stock in Virgin Galactic. That's only 30 bucks. So if you've got 30 bucks, you can afford to play this game with us. The second thing is what you're watching is the creation of an industry called space tourism, which was made viable by the Virgin Galactic flight. There's the history-making elements of having the oldest person in space and the youngest person in space and all the capacity that's going to be provided by both of these vehicles. But the real thing here that everybody at home can connect with 
is being able to profit off of what's going on without having to pay that price per seat. The other thing that I really connect with is the advances in science that happen from space exploration. Many people are not aware that vaccines are tested in space. And so the vehicles that are created by Brantos and Basin, uh, Basin and Brantos um, actually help further space exploration, which allows for us to create the next generation vaccines to combat things like antibiotic staph and even the pandemic we're experiencing now. Okay, so we, we've seen uh, uh, the federal government back away from the investment in space. Uh, for people who are baby boomers that grew up in the 60s when you had the space race between the Americans and the Russians. Uh, uh, for me, being Gen X, I remember uh, when the space shuttle uh, was, 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 was launched and it was exciting. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, the interest uh, began to wane. We had two explosions. Uh, then, Amer then America went away from that. And so uh, what, what, how do we get Americans uh, back interested in space and space exploration and forget them to understand that it is a good investment uh, for the country? Roland, I don't know about you, but I was excited by the first SpaceX launch that took astronauts to the International Space Station and included a black man by the name of Victor Glover as part of their flight. You're going to see all kinds of individuals return to space on these private vehicles and becoming an astronaut, becoming somebody who can make strides in space is going to be open to so many more by these private companies playing a part. At first it was SpaceX and then it was Branson and now it's Bezos. And as the price to play continues to go down, we're going to see more missions and a more inclusive environment. Okay, so that's the price going down. What, from a scientific standpoint, what advancements can we, what advancements have we gotten in the past that have been beneficial to the everyday person as a result of space exploration? Sure, so there's actually a really long list that NASA publishes called the Space Technology Transfer Guide. I invite those who are out there to, to look it up. There's all hosts of things beyond, you know, the fable tang and satellites and all the communication devices. There's a lot of medical research that comes from space exploration. The reason why the price going down, Roland, is so important is that we are then able to create more experiments that can be launched and tested in space, which has been very expensive to do even until now. And so when you have more missions going to space and you have more private companies that are able to send more astronauts and more people, what you're gonna see is a rapid acceleration in technologies that allow us on Earth to live more comfortably. All right then. Uh, I'm a Congo, got a question for uh, Aisha regarding uh, uh, these uh, space adventures. Yes, uh, Ms. Bo, first of all, thank you for your information and knowledge on this issue. I, I was wondering if you could possibly indulge the uh, conspiracy theorist in me. Uh, I'm thinking of movies like Elysium and the like. And do you feel like this space tourism is something that could eventually one day lead towards things like space colonization, where people are like, well, you know, we got to cut out and have these outposts on the moon for, for people who have the ability to do so? Am, am I really kind of just on a conspiracy theory, Ben, right there, or is that a real possibility? You're on a conspiracy well, theory. 
Let's say I, I <laughs> hope so. So, you know, let's kind of frame this conversation a bit here. So the Virgin Galactic ship did what we called a suborbital jaunt, meaning they didn't go all that high. We're talking maybe 50 miles off the surface of the Earth. The International Space Station is about 254, and so there's no way that with that craft they could actually get that far. Now, what you saw with SpaceX was, well, they were able to get to the International Space Station, and so there's a possibility that you could have more astronauts on the International Space Station, but what private companies have yet to do is take us to another world. And so I think that that's still quite a bit of a ways off. Thank you. Julian? Aisha, first of all, thank you for being there. It's just good to see a sister lost in space or found in space. Let me, um, there have been many things that we've gotten from space exploration. Some of them have been medical. What have been some of the medical advances that we've got because of space travel, space exploration, and that kind of thing? I believe you said what have been some of the medical advances that have come out of space experiments? Uh, yes, yeah, so space travel, there's, exploration, yeah. Yeah, sorry, the audio on my side, on my side cut down. So one of the things that I love about space experimentation is it's helping us understand how people on Earth can live longer. You may have seen that there have been experiments that included mice that were looking at how the mice were impacted by microgravity. And maybe you wondered, what does that, what does that have to do with me here on Earth? Well, the very same conditions that a human must withstand in order to go you know, to the moon, to the Mars, or beyond, are helping scientists here understand how somebody might be able to live to be 100 or 150 years, which is the amount of time that it may take for us to go to some of these further destinations. And so you're seeing a lot of advancements when it comes to research and longevity. I know I, for one, would like to be 80 years old in my 20-year-old body. And I'm, if space is going to take me there, I'm here for it. All right, then. Aisha Bo, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Where can people get uh, information uh, uh, to reach you? Uh, you can stay tuned to my Instagram at AishaBo.com. I will be covering all the launches and more news on space. All right. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Roland. All right, folks, let's go to California, where jurors got a break from listening to testimony in the Ed Buck trial. He's a white Democratic donor uh, accused of administering a fatal dose of drugs to two black men in 2017-2019. The trial will resume tomorrow. Uh, joining us now to tell us what's been uh, happening in the courtroom is Jasmine Koenig. Uh, she, of course, has been involved with this story uh, from the beginning. Jasmine, glad to have you on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, and so, um, one, uh, it's been a long t time uh, getting to this particular point. Uh, when Jamel Moore was found dead, uh, there were a lot of people, a lot of Democrats, uh, white folks, a lot of gay white folks, real quiet. Nobody wanted to say anything, do anything. Uh, but it took a second black man dying in Ed Buck's apartment for folks to realize, oh, there might be a problem now. He's on trial. Absolutely. And it's so good to see you, Roland. Um, I just want to always just say thank you to you because you believed from day one and kept this story on, on all of your platforms. So thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, but <laughs> you're, you're exactly right. Not much has changed. Um, I, we are not hearing much uh, here in L.A. from the, the mainstream media or um, LGBT advocate groups or Democratic Party or anyone. 
um, and it's it's uh, it's very telling. Uh, Friday was definitely the hardest day for all of us. Uh, we uh, sat through um, Ed Buck had over twenty four hundred videos of him torturing, injecting, um, you know, black men with methamphetamine, um, unconscious black men that he was sexually assaulting. It was so incredibly brutal on Friday having to watch video after video of this black men with nooses around their necks. Um, some black men who didn't even know they were being recorded, others who asked for him not to record them or for him not to put their face in the video. So there's no denying now exactly who Ed Buck is, I, even for me, right? So I went back because I wasn't even really sure when I started covering this. It was August 10th, 2017. Jamel Moore died uh, July 26th, uh, July 27th, 2017. And I knew he was a bad person then, but I, but now we all know exactly how bad he is, and it was way worse than we could have ever, ever imagined looking at the videos, reading the text messages that he um, sent to people. I mean, this man is Jeffrey Dahmer 2.0, uh, and it's really sad that um, people don't know about this case. They're unaware of it. I even had a council member here in L.A., refer to his victims as just disadvantaged black hustlers. Um, the only one who was doing the hustling was Ed Buck. He loved to make these men unconscious and to take advantage of them, slip them GHB and take advantage of them. Um, and so, yeah, you know, we didn't have court today. We resume court tomorrow. Um, over this next week, we're going to hear a lot of testimony from his victims. And so I'm sure it's going to be even more horrific. Uh, he also uh, hired two black attorneys to oh. defend him. Clearly, that was by design. He did. And I got to say, Christopher Darden and Ludlow Creary will not be getting any invites to the barbecue ever again in life. Um, you know, we say in Domino's, right, Roland, all money isn't good money. Uh, it's very interesting watching Ed Buck's pasty white butt sitting between these two hefty black gentlemen in court who are doing his bidding, and their whole entire defense is around AIDS, right? So their defense is that Jamel Moore died of AIDS, full-blown AIDS, as they like to say, and not um, not the, the methamphetamine that was injected into him, and that Timothy Dean was living on borrowed time and had a heart condition, and that's what killed him, not the methamphetamine that was injected into him. I'm so ashamed of Christopher Darden. Uh, but I'm not surprised, because remember, he did take Eric Holder as a client, the man who killed Nipsey Hussle, and he only dropped that case because he couldn't handle the death threats that he was receiving. He's been on the wrong side of a lot of battles lately. He continues to lose in court. I hope that that streak continues. Uh, his mini-me Ludlow query is no better. Um, they are definitely uh, earning their million-plus-dollar uh, fee that they are getting uh, from Ed Buck, but it is really embarrassing to see these two black men use the HIV status of Ed Buck's black victims against them. It is horrific. The um, in, in terms of I talked about how folks were were so silent uh, on this, uh, and Ed don't Ed Buck was a major uh, Democratic donor. And the state Democratic Party was extremely reluctant 
uh, to say anything because they wanted to keep getting his checks. And even after Jamel Moore was killed, he was still giving money and they were still accepting money. Sure was. And I got to tell you, as an elected member of the Democratic Party, publicly elected here in, in California, um, they still haven't said much, haven't said anything at all, nothing about justice for the victims. Everyone sort of has their head buried in the sand. What was very interesting to me during the testimony on Friday was that the prosecutor showed a text exchange that Ed Buck had had with one of his victims where he was trying to set up one of his party and play sessions. And in the text message, Buck says, oh, I'm getting ready for tomorrow. I got an endorsement panel. Uh, you know, and it just made me think again, here is this man who's showing up at all these Democratic fundraisers, all of these um, events with Democrats, and he's either coming or going from shooting men up for, with meth, drugging men, and doing all of these things. We have people in L.A., who refused to acknowledge that they took his money, but returned Harvey Weinstein's money to the Time's Up Foundation without even being asked. Um, and so again, I think it just speaks volumes about the lives of black people, the lives, the lives of black men. Um, and it's really, really sad because Ed Buck was a serial predator. He was a serial predator. There was a point in the trial where the prosecution showed that Jamel Moore died on July 27th and within two weeks, back to back to back, every single day, Ed Buck had another, a different young man coming and going from his house. I remember one particular thing, Roland, that I will never forget. Christopher, it was either Christopher Darden or Ludlow Cleary, but the defense for Ed Buck was cross-examining Ed Buck's next-door neighbor who said that all of the mostly African-American men he saw leaving seemed to always be in a stupor or under the influence of something. And the defense said, well, could it not be that they're under the influence of anything, but that they just have AIDS? They literally said that in court. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty crazy there. Jazz Mechanic, uh, we surely appreciate uh, you giving us this breakdown. Uh, and then we'll be uh, following up what happens in this trial. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much, Roland. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Jasmine. Thanks. All right, folks, we're going to update on Haiti, where the elections minister says the Caribbean nation is moving forward after the assassination of President Jovenel Moise. Uh, interim Prime Minister Claude Joseph is going to step down from his position, and the man President Moise appointed to replace Joseph the day before the assassination will take over. Ariel Henry will be the country's new prime minister and organize an election for the presidency as soon as possible. Investigators say President Moise made a phone call to the Haitian National Police Commissioner the night of his July 7th assassination. He pleaded for help for 10 minutes. No one came to his rescue. He called another officer who sent backup, but not before Moise was killed and his wife was shot. Over a dozen members of the former president's security team have been detained and questioned. More than 20 suspects have been arrested in connection with the shooting, including two Haitian Americans. Uh, Martine Moise, the wife of slain President uh, Moise, is back at home in Haiti. Uh, the widow arrived Saturday at Port-au-Prince Airport in an arm sling and wearing a bulletproof vest. She was greeted by Haitian's uh, interim Prime Minister Claude Joseph. The president's funeral is going to take place on Friday. Uh, when you think about, uh, when you see that video of her getting off that plane, when you think about all the drama, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where, Julian, where you just wish 
my God, can, can Haiti get a sustained period uh, of, of peace as opposed to just this constant upheaval? Well, that's the question, Roland. Haiti has been unstable uh, since it had to pay France. Repeat myself, since it had to pay France reparations for its freedom. This allowed all kinds of instability to be introduced. The United States, of course, has played a significant role in the instability. And I, even though President Biden has said they're going to have some investigation over there, I'm not sure that the U.S. role is helpful at all. I'd like to see CARICOM uh, or some other Caribbean organization uh, involved more in the stability issue, because what we have now is, first of all, people think of Haiti as a black country, but in fact, it's got black faces and white rulers. And white folks are running the economy. They are cutting deals right and left. They don't care whether it's unstable or not, as long as they get their money. I said they money. I do understand English from Ebonics. They, as long as they get they money, they're okay. And the instability basically benefits pre petty, uh, predatory capitalists. And so if CARICOM were able to come in, if you had someone like, uh, you know, some of the brothers from uh, Jamaica or other places come in, brothers and sisters, and to look at governance, I think it would be very different. But as it stands now, they'll get this straight for about five years, and then here we go again. Um, Congo, uh, it is, I mean, again, because of Americans' history here, it's a little hard uh, for people to trust that America has Haiti's best interests at heart. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when, when has the United States had, had, I mean, United States occupied Haiti for a while as well um, in earlier days. And going off of Dr. Marvel's point, Haiti's actually still paying France for, for defeating them. And a lot of people don't even understand. I mean, we all know here America's connection to it. I mean, uh, Toussaint Louverture's the defeat of Napoleon led to the Louisiana Purchase, which helped with the United States grow as a country. So there's always been a direct connection. And it's sad that too many of us don't really understand Haiti's history, and we continually want to look at it as a failed black state. But look, there were international assassins who were involved in this. There weren't just people in Haiti who rose up one day and decided to... to uh, commit this assassination. There are people from the United States, from Colombia, from other people. And so when Dr. Marvel's talking about CARICOM as well, yes, we need to get this in the hands of people who are, are, are from the region, because as long as we have people who might have been involved in the assassination, doing the investigation, we're not going to get real answers. I hope that with this new leadership, it's going to be a time for, 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 for Haiti to start to see a turnaround, because they're suffering on so many different levels. So many people are still not vaccinated there as well. Coming off of the earthquake a couple of years ago is issue upon issue. But we within the diaspora, we have to do more to rally behind Haiti. And maybe that may be supporting local organizations on the ground, educational institutions and the like. But I, I do agree that we also have to get some Caribbean influence there as it relates to doing these investigations and seeking justice. Uh, well, again, we certainly hope uh, that happens. And then, uh, we, you know, of course, the funeral taking place uh, on uh, uh, on um, a Friday. Again, hopefully there is going to be peace in Haiti. My goodness, we hope that is the case. All right, folks, uh, got to go to a break. We come back, we're going to talk about uh, how to get your fitness in when you travel. And also, uh, our book interview, we're going to talk with the former governor of Alabama who talked about how Republicans took him down to keep 
Democrats from being in power in the state of Alabama. You don't want to miss this conversation on Roland Martin Unfiltered. We saw struggle for civil rights as something grown-ups did. I feel that the generations before us have offered a, a lot of instruction. Organizing is really one of the only things that gives me the sanity and makes me feel purposeful. When Emmett Till was murdered, yeah. that's what attracted our attention. I'm in the world of fiction. What I mean, that's what I do. I'm an actress. I spent 35 years in this business. I've been in the business since I was 14. I was discovered in a basement theater in Philadelphia, a basement called Freedom Theater. And that's what I do. I play for a living. And I look and see that we're in a world that, I mean, I mean, that it's, it's bizarre where you can't tell the fake from the real. These people are not faking it. That's what they're going to, that's, that's, they're willing to put their whole lives, their families' lives, their whole, everything they've accomplished around looking pathetic and weak around a table because this man showed up and told him that, you know, uh, that he was the one and everybody should follow him. It's, he didn't even have a good, he didn't even have a good argument. He's not Martin Luther King. He has no, he has no, uh, no words. He has no, be he has nothing. He's just rich and white and male. And so people want to see that power on display and then tell us that we're not, you know, that, that we're crazy, they can't do it anymore. That's a good news. Yo, what's up? This your boy Ice Cube. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. He was considered one of the most successful and promising politicians in modern Alabama history. For three decades, former Alabama Governor Don Siegelman held all the top elected offices in the state. It is in his new book, Stealing Our Democracy, How the Political Assassination of a Governor Threatens Our Nation. He tells the tale of what happens when you mix politics and federal prosecutors. I talked with Don Siegelman about his ordeal, how he went to prison, and who he blames. Don Siegelman, glad to have you here at Roland Martin Unfiltered. I am delighted to meet you and be on your show. It's an honor. Well, let's let's talk about it. Um, actually, our paths have crossed before, uh, so I have met you before, and I'm familiar with your story. Uh, you say, cover your book, you call it Still in Our Democracy, How the Political Assassination of a Governor Threatens Our Nation. You call yourself political prisoner number one. Uh, explain that. Explain for the people why you say you're a political prisoner. Uh, go ahead. Well, actually, that was a phrase that was attributed by the National Trial Lawyers uh, in an article they wrote about uh, about my case. But um, my book is about not only about how I was targeted by Karl Rove and the Bush Justice Department and their abuse of power and their misuse of the Department of Justice as a political weapon, but it's more than that. It's about how we, how the steps we need to take to balance the scales of justice and save our democracy. It's about holding police, prosecutors, and presidents accountable for their abuses of power. And um, and for, for folks who don't realize, uh, Alabama didn't always have Republican governors. Uh, you were a, a Democratic governor elected in that particular state. 
uh, highly popular. And you say uh, the President George W. Bush White House and Karl Rove, they came after you. They wanted to take you out. They uh, not only wanted to, they did take me out. It was it was Karl Rove's client, the state attorney general, who started the investigation. It was his uh, friend's wife, his business partner's wife, who was elevated to the U.S. attorney who kicked the federal investigation into high gear. It was Karl Rove's bagman, Jack Abramoff, who put in $20 million to defeat me. It was Karl Rove's client, the state attorney general, who participated in stealing my 2002 election. I was brought to trial one month before my re-election bid in 2006 by the U.S. attorney whose husband was running my opponent's campaign. There was sworn testimony before Congressman Conyers, uh, when he was chairman of the Judiciary Committee, uh, there was sworn testimony that Karl Rove had directed the Department of Justice to pursue me. Uh, there were 113 former state attorneys general all agreed that what I did was uh, political and not criminal. So uh, there's ample evidence to support uh, the claim that the trial lawyers made that I was uh, America's number one political prisoner. You, you, you... First of all, you lay out uh, in the book, you were sentenced 88 months in prison, uh, and they went after everything. You talk about losing your law license, losing your career. Um, you talk about spending time in solitary confinement uh, in uh, prison as well. Uh, and, 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 and so take us through um, how much your world changed um, when all of this was going on. Well, they're, they're, I want to make a comment. When, right after I was convicted, I got a phone call from one of my best friends and political allies, Senator Hank Sanders from Selma. Uh, he said, Governor, uh, now you know how black folks feel. Um, but going through the, the process of uh, being convicted of something that I knew was not a crime and being accused of something that never happened, uh, being found guilty and being sentenced uh, to prison for 88 months, uh, brought it home to me as a former attorney general and governor uh, that our system of justice was was broken. You know, some of us, you know, while I had fought the good fight against George Wallace and, and did all kinds of good things in my, my, my political life, um, I was naively... Uh, entering into a process, the criminal justice process, that I thought a jury would would fix. You know, surely, even if I, even though I was targeted, even though the prosecutor uh, was married to my campaign manager, I mean, the campaign manager of my, my opponent, I thought that the jury would fix this, that I would not be convicted. And when I was, uh, you know, the... The air just went out of me. I thought, you know, what 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 could I have done differently as attorney general or as governor uh, to to have helped those who were in a similar situation? Uh, and then being thrown into prison, um, I was fortunate to be put in 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 situations where I learned even more about how particularly uh, men and women of color are targeted uh, targeted by police, by investigators, how prosecutors 
abuse their powers, how they present false evidence or false testimony or withhold exculpatory evidence, um, and how they, they wanted long-term convictions, uh, sentences for particularly uh, men of color. And it, uh, it, 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 the whole process I, I look at now as a blessing, as because now I'm able to advocate for criminal justice reform with a background and an understanding, uh, uh, not only from my days as attorney general or governor, but as an inmate, uh, how this system is broken and how it needs to be fixed. You were, um, they, they hit you with corruption charges. Uh, initially, all of the charges were thrown out by a federal judge, then they, then they refiled, indicted you on new charges. It was tied to, it was tied to uh, Richard Scrushy, uh, of course, uh, who uh, was a uh, health CEO. Uh, and, and, and so um, you were then eventually uh, convicted seven out of 33 counts uh, by, uh, by a jury. Uh, but explain to the folks uh, the number of Democrats and Republicans who felt there was prosecut prosecutorial misconduct, the number of people uh, who came out in your behalf and say you actually got a raw deal. So this isn't this book isn't just oh I'm Don you're Don Siegelman just saying hey I got a raw deal. I mean you literally had folks on both sides of the aisle who felt you got screwed. Um, yeah, John Grisham said I got screwed too. The um I was fortunate to have the state attorneys general, former state attorneys general, rally to my cause because they saw this as um, a, a turning point in our criminal justice system. If I was convicted of, of really of, of bribery for accepting a campaign contribution to a ballot initiative, it wasn't to my campaign, it was to a ballot initiative to uh, provide better education for Alabama's children. And it, there was no evidence of a quid pro quo, much less an express quid pro quo. Uh, the judge allowed a conviction based on an implied or an inferred quid pro quo, uh, an inferred agreement uh, that, that never took place, but he allowed the jury to convict. So I became the first and only person in American jurisprudence to ever be sent to jail for uh, for bribery where there was no self-enrichment scheme and where I didn't benefit by a single penny. So, uh, you know, but I knew where this was coming from. I knew who was behind it and why they were doing it. it I, I, this was not a situation where I said, oh, woe is me, uh, how did this happen? I knew why it happened and how it happened and I knew who was behind it. So. My quest throughout my my term uh, in prison was to expose the injustice and then to and then to, to to do what I could to fix the justice system. If in every situation there is a purpose, or if it, in every situation one should find a purpose, my uh, the purpose I found was to try to fix this justice system. And before we get too far afield, I want I want to tell you how we we must put the brakes on police who murder black people. If, you know, there's been so much discussion, Roland, uh, particularly after, well, you know, after so many 
so many blacks have been been murdered, shot in the back, you know, traffic violations or kids, you know, like Tamir uh, Rice shot because he had a plastic uh, a gun or men choked on the streets of New York or, or George Floyd. But people talked about what's wrong with this. And of course, we need to pass the George Floyd Act. We need to pass H.R. 1 as well. But of course, we need uh, to change policing. Uh, we need to change politicians as well. But we've also got to change privilege. It is it is this this blanket umbrella of privilege that hangs over our inju the injustices in our in our criminal justice system. It is police privilege or the perception of their privilege that causes the death of so many black people. And the, I, while you know it's going to take Congress to uh, to erase qualified immunity. But in the meantime, the way to put the brakes on police murdering black people is to allow the family members of victims of the excessive use of force by police to have a lawyer present in the grand jury. Let me, do you think that, that George Zimmerman would have been able to walk free if Benjamin Crump had been in the grand jury representing the family of Trayvon Martin? Or if we'd had a, if the family member, Breonna Taylor, had had a lawyer in the grand jury, um, the reason why, you know, let me, prosecutors across the board, state, local, federal prosecutors get 99%, 99% of the indictments they want. But when it comes to holding police accountable for murdering a black person, the percentage drops precipitously. And there are reasons for that. Got to ask you this here. Um, when, when one looks at uh, what, what took place in this case, um, um, they hit you with corruption charges. Later, uh, another Republican uh, was uh, convicted of accepting a couple hundred thousand dollars, pocketing that money. Uh, the prosecutors uh, said, asked for probation, no jail time. Um, then, of course, when 60 Minutes did a story on, on your particular case, uh, the CBS affiliate uh, in town did not even air uh, that segment, claiming there were transmission issues. Do, do you believe, uh, first of all, not do you believe, but do you lay it out, that, uh, that clearly there were forces who wanted to take you down uh, and, of course, uh, lead to Republicans being in charge in Alabama? Um, but nothing was ever done to call Rove. There was no actual investigation. Uh, even when members of Congress requested documents from uh, then Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez, uh, no documents were actually produced. Uh, and so um, what do you want folks to take away? Uh, is, there, is, there a, is there a next? Uh, you know, where, where, where do we go with this? Uh, what is the lesson uh, we ought to learn or take away from uh, what you uh, went through and, and what you are alleging with uh, Stealing Our Democracy, this book, and also the documentary that was done on your case as well? Well, yeah, Congressman John Conyers uh, did everything he could to hold Carl Rove accountable, not only for uh, the selective prosecution and prosecutorial abuse in my case, but uh, you know he wanted to hold him responsible for what he did in leaking uh, uh, 
about uh, Valerie Plume. And, but, and he did everything he could to get him held in contempt. He wanted him arrested and handcuffed to the basement of the Capitol. But Karl Rove was, was let off the hook. No one was held responsible for the abuse of power of the Department of Justice under the Bush administration. And what we have seen under, under Trump, let me back up for a minute. Donald, uh, uh, Donald Segretti had a, had, had a partner in the Dirty Tricks campaign in the Nixon days, and it was, it was Karl Rove. Rove came within a hair of being, uh, of being indicted in the Watergate scandal. If it had not been for George Hubert Walker Bush, who was then chairman of the Republic, National Republican Party, Rove would have been, would have been caught up in that scandal. But my, my point here is that if, if we do not hold police and prosecutors and presidents accountable, accountable for their abuse of power, it's simply going to get worse. Well, and well, we're actually experiencing that right now with all the revelations uh, of the Donald Trump uh, Justice Department literally trying to intervene to get folks uh, to overturn the election results in Georgia and Pennsylvania and Arizona. And then what's crazy is uh, Bill Barr says, oh, I had no idea about this. Jeff Sessions says, I, Jeff Sessions says, uh, I had no idea. Uh, 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 Rosenstein, I, I have no idea. You're sitting there going, well, who the hell was running the Justice Department then? Exactly. Uh, they, Congress, uh, and I hope that the House, you know, subpoenas or gets Bill Barr and Jeff Sessions, Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions, <clears throat> uh, before the uh, under oath, before, the, before one of the committees in the, in the House. Uh, they've got to hold these people accountable. And actually, I'm kind of glad that it's, there's been this re revelation that members of Congress were targeted by an abuse of power by the Department of Justice. You know, if, if the United States Senate, the Republicans, had done what they should have done in the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump, if they had convicted him of the out-and-out -out bribery attempt of the president of Ukraine, we wouldn't have had the insurrection. We wouldn't have had the, you know, a, a lot of this that the Republicans are doing now would never have happened. But the, what is happening now is a direct result of us not holding people accountable for the abuses of power when it is being done right under our noses. Um, you know, this... The fact that we've got 30 states passing, I don't know how many bills, trying to su suppress votes um, is, 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 is just another way for Republicans to try to steal an election. This way, they don't have to go to the trouble of stuffing ballot boxes. They just want to legitimize uh, restricting the right, the right to vote. And... You know, Joe, Joe Manchin uh, needs to be, uh, I started to say, read the Riot Act, but that doesn't apply anymore. But, you know, Joe Biden needs to get serious with Joe Manchin, and uh, we need to move on with H.R. 1 and, uh, and and get these bills passed. Well, actually, actually, uh, Ari Berman just sent a tweet out that's interesting. He says, Manchin and Cinema didn't attend the Senate Dem lunch where Texas Democrats spoke about need to pass for the People Act to stop GOP voter suppression. I mean, what what in the hell are these two Democrats doing, uh, Senator Kristen Sinema of Arizona, where the GOP is leading this bogus re bogus recount? And then you got you got Manchin, who's acting like a damn Southern Dixiecrat in 1950s and 60s.
Yeah, that's what, you know, he, he needs to he needs to join the caucus of uh, Congressman Daniels. I, it's um, it's it is uh, you know when I was elected lieutenant governor, I, I had some some qualms about because I was going to be president of the Senate, presiding. I had to know how to use the gavel, and I I talked to the secretary of the Senate who had been been there for some forty or fifty years, and I I told McDowell Lee that I was I was a little. You know, even though I'd studied the rules and I'd, I'd mastered the rules and I knew them better than anybody in the Senate, I said, you know, I'm, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to rule quickly enough. He said, you're going to do fine because you know who your friends are. Well, I don't know that Joe Manchin knows who his friends are. If he did, he would side with the Democrats on H.R. 1 and not with those who are trying to subvert our democracy on the other side of the aisle. Uh, it makes uh, makes no sense uh, at all. Got to ask you this here. Um, you're there. Um, uh, just your your assessment uh, of Alabama politics right now. Um, the state where, where where you served in political office um, for a quarter of a century. I'll be honest. You truly have the dumbest United States senator I've ever seen in Tommy Tuberville. Uh, I, and, you know, I was I mean, going to say which one, I, but yes, I know. Which <laughs> I mean, I, I, th I mean, I, I thought I thought Roy Moore uh, was a true idiot. Uh, Tuberville is, is even dumber. Uh, and and when, when you look at just some of the decisions being made, you look at uh, how the state just just uh, just you know loves Donald Trump despite his lying, despite him not being a Christian, despite his values, all this sort of stuff. And so when you hear uh, these, 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 and I'll say these white conservative evangelicals in your state uh, just talk about the Lord and Jesus and all those different things, you got to say, well, what the heck, do y'all even know Jesus when you go vote? <laughs> you know, I, I, um, uh, I have to shake my head, but then, you know, I, I am a, a liberal by just about any standard. And I'm sure you, you're somewhat familiar with my background, but I, I was able to bridge the gap in Alabama because I talked about things that, that seemed to make sense to a majority of people. And I was able to, to you know, be elected secretary of state and expand the right to vote for, for uh, blacks and, and, and people with disabilities. I, as attorney general, I, I settled a case which forced the uh, redistricting uh, of every city and, and county election so that there were hundreds of blacks elected uh, in subsequent years to those uh, those offices. And as as governor, I was pushing for, uh, you know, quality education, early learning, uh, and, and free college education or free higher education paid for with an, uh, with an education lottery. And, you know, I... Th we, we can make a difference. We can change things. We can make things better. And it does take hard work and long hours and a lot of, lot of time and energy to, to, to convince people to vote for the right things. So I, even though I was the last Democratic governor, uh, and that was, you know, back in, I was elected twice, inaugurated once. But anyway, that's a story for another day. But I, I served until 2003, and I do have hope that uh, that there will be a candidate, a Democratic candidate, who will come along, and will be able to relate to the people of the state, and 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 that they can then 
uh, you know, join forces and, and move the state in a different direction. Um, what um, I ask every author this, uh, and obviously this is your story, uh, I always ask them, was there a particular wow moment for them as they were writing the book, as they were researching the book? Uh, obviously, you lived it and experienced it, but uh, as you were uh, putting this book together, uh, was there that moment that caused even you to say, wow, this is unbelievable, this is crazy, this is just, this is just outlandish? You know, there was this, uh, you know, I may not be able to say this without getting emotional, but uh, there was this uh, uh, one one African-American young man. Uh, he was younger than me. Uh, he had been arrested at 17 for marijuana. It was a felony put on probation. 19 marijuana felony put on probation. When he was, I think, 23 or 25, he was arrested again, this time with a small amount of powder cocaine. And uh, of course, if you're black, it's crack. So they 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 sentenced him to 20, 25 years plus. Uh, it was anyway. He served all of his time. Uh, he's out now. But I, I asked him to tell me his story, and he did. And you know, it, it's just one of those stories where he he was trying to help his his mother uh, pay the water bill, the light bill, to keep things in the house to get food and, um, you know, but it just exemplified to me the, the tens of thousands, if not millions of, of blacks who have been imprisoned um, by the abuse of power by prosecutors and, and, and police and investigators. Uh, let me remind you of this too. This is uh, something that will shock your listeners. And that in, on January the 4th, 2010, during the Obama administration, uh, there was a story written in the Los Angeles Times by David Savage, the Los Angeles uh, legal correspondent, who said that President Obama's lawyer, Selena, uh, Elena Kagan, argued to the United States Supreme Court yesterday, that was, anyway, that was January, the, he wrote the story January the 5th, but that U.S. citizens do not have a constitutional right not to be framed. U.S. citizens do not have a constitutional right not to be framed. And of course, that the, the fact is, Elena Kagan was right, because the Supreme Court in 1976 gave blanket immunity to prosecutors to knowingly and willfully present false evidence and false testimony or withhold exculpatory evidence with no, with no penalty. They can do this with impunity, and they have for decades. Um, and and while and while we can't make Congress uh, do the right thing and abolish immunity for prosecutors, President Biden can at least tell his uh, Merrick Garland to inform the U.S. attorneys that if they are caught, if they are caught presenting false evidence or testimony or withholding exculpatory evidence, they will be fired. We've got to we've got to begin to change the dynamics in our justice system. Uh, and, it, and in my view, it starts with holding police and prosecutors and, yes, presidents accountable for their abuse of power. 
The book, folks, is called Stealing Our Democracy, How the Political Assassination of a Governor Threatens Our Nation uh, by Don Siegelman. This is the book right here. So, uh, Don, where can people get the book? They can, oh, you know what I would suggest is they that they get the audible version because I I, I did it in my own voice and I, because Amazon offers all kinds of artists to, to read the book for you, but I, I wanted people to hear the inflection in my voice and the sadness in my voice and the happiness and joy in my voice or the pain in my voice as I was experiencing things, uh, the injustices that many, many particularly black families have, have experienced themselves. So I would, I'd suggest that people go online to Amazon and get the audible version. If they can tolerate my voice for a little while, I think they'll enjoy listening to my side of the story. All right. Don Siegelman, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, folks. Uh, a lot of us uh, are busy traveling. Vacation's coming up. Still means you got to get your workouts in. So how do you do so when you're on the road? Dooley from Effect Fitness joins us now with some tips on staying fit away from home. Dooley, what's up? Roland, how you doing, man? Thank you for having me. All right, then. So uh, people are going to be on vacation. They're going to be going to family reunions. COVID still impacts us. Uh, so what do you tell them how to, how to keep it going? First and foremost, you know, I think most people, when they're traveling, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to make sure they got their phone and their ID. But you need to make sure you download a good app. And what better way to do that with the Effect Fitness On Demand app? Like I said, literally, right at your hand, everybody always got their phone in their hand. So with that being said, you find your good app, whether it's uh, YouTube, Peloton, whatever you are and that's the most important thing. You find something you relate to, whether it's the music, whether it's the workouts, whatever it is, and you're going to be good to go. So, uh, look, if you're on vacation, it's not like you're really trying to think about working out. So what do you tell mm -hmm. people? You tell them, like, hey, if you, if, if, if you do something, if you don't want to work out, what? Go walking for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. Uh, try to, I mean, keep, you keep your movement going as much as possible. You know, what do you tell them? Most, that's the most important thing. Just find a way to keep moving. Like I said, if you don't do nothing but get out, you find you one CD, one playlist, one something, you turn it on, and you say, hey, I'm going to work out, I'm going to walk to this whole CD or this whole album, and I'm going to make sure that I don't stop. Just something as simple as that. So, Even if you're just walking and punching. Uh, one of the things that, that, I, that I do is also I bring uh, my bands with me so that way I can Ooh. just attach it to a door and not worry about if they got a weight room. Uh, also, I, if I'm, I'm not, if I ain't trying to be around other people dealing with COVID, I can just go ahead and sit there and use my bands in the room on the patio or wherever I am. Absolutely. That's, like I said, that's, that's the best way to do it right now. Like I said, workout equipment and gyms are becoming almost obsolete in terms of just walking around with a bunch of equipment. But if you got you a set of resistance bands, you got you a set of arm bands, you got you a, some type of step or a stool or a brick or anything you can step on, man, you will get a full workout in with just that. You don't need these four gyms anymore. Uh, and again, that's uh, again uh, how, how things are certainly changing uh, for, uh, for lots of folks. Uh, and obviously, you don't um, want to go crazy when you're on the road when it comes to your, uh, your meal plan as well. Uh, that's one of the things that, that I, I that, like, when, even when we're covering stuff, like I'm going to be in Texas next week, uh, so we'll be there Tuesday or Wednesday uh, through Sunday. No, uh, no, 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 no. If I, when I go to Houston, I will go to the Turkey Leg Hut one, one time. <laughs> 
You cannot go more than one time it, in a week or it's going to completely it. throw everything, all your work you put in the previous month is going to be gone. I agree. I agree. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> so um, now, now, now one of the things that one of the things that we did this here when we were in Tulsa uh, was, uh, you know, we had our uh, had our Sprinter, our, our mobile, that's what I call it. We got a refrigerator in it. So what I do is I immediately, went, once we got there, went to the grocery store, got a rotisserie chicken, sliced it all up, put it in some containers, popped into the refrigerator. So boom, it was always in there as we be, as we begin to travel. Uh, do you also encourage your clients when they when they do hotel rooms, make sure they have a refrigerator in there so they can put their stuff in there? Absolutely. And I, I want them to do a, a scout report. Find out when you know where you're going, Search the local stores. Make sure you got something that you know you can go to. The worst thing that you can have happen is get to a place, a location, wake up in the morning, and then find out that I can't eat nothing, and you end up starving for half the day. And now you go eat some crazy stuff just because you ain't ate nothing all morning. So before you go to where you're going, you already know. So like I said, you find out, you do your scout, you get your scout report. You find out what's the nearest grocery store or, or, or just any place to get you something healthy to snack on. And once you get that mapped out, you'll be fine. Last, a last question for you uh, in terms of, again, uh, when you're traveling. I've, heard, I've had some folks say you shouldn't do more than one protein shake a day. Others say it's okay if you do a couple. What do you say? I say do one. I say one. Some type of fasting to kind of start the day. Like I said, I'm, I'm big on literally just, like, trying to start the day and, and, and making sure that I, I keep it lean and light. Like I said, you, people don't realize how much you're overeating on the road. We don't even realize it. But just keep it lean as possible. One, one is one is enough. One is more than enough, actually. Now, do you do you pair that with an apple or a banana? Like for instance, when when I play golf, um, I try to eat, eat every three hours. So typically, what I'll do is when I make the turn, I'll do a protein shake and a banana uh, to, just to keep my energy. Absolutely, I'm, I'm big. Yeah, absolutely, banana, orange, apples, anything like that to go with it. Anything like that to go with it. All right, Dooley, where can people get more information? Effect Fitness at Effect Fitness on Instagram. All Facebook, right. same thing. Follow us. All right. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you so very much. Thank you, man. Pleasure having you. Uh, final thoughts here. First of all, I, I got to ask Omicongo and uh, Julian this. So uh, y'all might, might have seen Naomi Osaka. Uh, she actually uh, put out um, a, um, a tweet. She was talking about uh, her um, uh, being on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Well, that, that didn't sit too well with uh, these whiny conservatives. Uh, th this is the, um, uh, this here, right here is uh, the cover. Uh, and uh, and she, uh, she calls this, she says, first Haitian woman and first Japanese woman uh, on the uh, SI cover. And so this is right here uh, what she put on Twitter. Uh, and so these are the images right here. Uh, well, that, that didn't sit too well, these whiny conservatives. And so you had uh, Clay Travis uh, and Megyn Kelly. They decided to weigh in uh, and, get, uh, and get upset with her because, you know, she chose not, not to do interviews. She's talked about uh, her uh, mental health, things along those lines. Uh, and so, and so Megyn Kelly, you know, who, you know, remember Megyn Kelly, Santa Claus is white, Megyn Kelly. Um, uh, what, what she did was she put out uh, this, uh, this, this, this tweet here that was, kind of, was a joke uh, that, let me just pull, let me try to find it. Um, 
Let me try to find out where she, where she, she whined about it. Um, and um, she, oh, so this is what this fool uh, Clay Travis said. Uh, saying she's too introverted to talk to the media after tennis matches, Naomi Osaka has launched a reality show, a Barbie, and now is on the cover of the SI swimsuit issue. Swimsuit issue. Okay, so then Megan decided to chime in by saying, uh, let's not forget the cover of an interview in Vogue Japan and Time magazine. Well, that caused Osaka to fire back by reminding her that uh, you do know the lead time to magazines uh, are several months, and she said she did these interviews uh, months ago. Uh, and so now uh, poor little Megan and Pierce Morgan, who is 100% bitch assness, um, they are now complaining because Naomi Osaka has blocked them. Well, punk ass, well, here's the deal, punk ass Piers Morgan, you blocked me last year. Oh, you know? so you mad because Osaka blocked you and your sorry behind uh, blocked me? Go to hell, Piers Morgan and Megan Kelly, shut the hell up. Julian, these, these people are a trip with, with, their, with their nonsense. Go ahead. Well, you know, first of all, Megan Kelly just needs to disappear. Like you said, Santa Claus is white. Da da da. Just go away, girl. Just go away. Bye, Felicia. Uh, Pierce Morgan, even worse than that. Naomi Osaka needs to be commended for taking control of her mental health. The fact of the matter is, we are in a mental health crisis here in this country. Some fools shooting up outside the National Park in Washington, D.C. Um, post COVID, all kind of people lose. If this young lady has enough priesses to say, I don't want to talk to the media. It causes me anxiety. Good for her. She doesn't have to. And uh, all Pierce Morgan has to do is just, you know, get on a horse, you know, and ride it. And Megyn <laughs> Kelly should have been canceled a long time ago. But, uh, but I give her props. Uh, July is Minority Mental Health Month. We're looking at people of color and mental health issues. And anything that causes you anxiety got to go, period. It, it, it amazes me again when you have uh, this poor little point. And I wonder, since Megan is complaining about a name Naomi Osaka, well, uh, Megan, your former Fox News colleagues, Eric Bowling, Sean Hannity, Lou Dobbs, Maria Bartiroma, all four of them blocked me. Y'all gonna, <laughs> gonna complain about that? You know, the, the hypocrisy is, is amazing. And, you know, we want Megan Kelly to disappear from these airways, but she ends up on Sirius. And so it's like they keep finding ways to, to keep her whatever she's doing going. And I'm like, yo, one of the things you didn't mention, uh, uh, Roland, is that Naomi also has a, a special on Netflix as well. So my thing is, like, what I love about what she's doing is that she is, and many athletes out there, the LeBron Jameses of the world, they are flexing their muscle. They're showing their power. They're letting people know that y'all need us to make these for the ratings, for the endorsements, and all these other types of things. But you know what? I'm in control right now. And with all of the mental health challenges, I'm thinking back to your earlier segment about Ed Buck and the extreme cases that these black men are dealing with. You know, there are so many issues that 
people need to see people within our community, and this is also true uh, within, uh, you know, uh, the Asian community that she represents as well, where there's a stigma around a stigma around mental health and, and mental illness. And so for her to speak up and then to come out on these covers like a boss like that and do all of these specials, more power to her. And, and we have her back, period, bottom line. Again, uh, Piers Morgan, kiss, in the, in the words of Della Reese from Harlem Nights, kiss my entire ass. <laughs> entire <laughs> ass. That's Classic. I mean, Piers, Piers Morgan, and, and, and that's that, he is a hundred percent bitch assness. All of his whining about Meghan Markle because she ghosted him because you probably sucked on the date, and he can't get over it. Now he wants to trash her. That's why your little punk ass walked off the set when you got criticized because you couldn't handle the heat that was in your face. And so I'm like, shut the hell up. Folks, that is it for us. Uh, let me give a shout out to Carrie Hilson. Carrie sent me this shirt. Carrie has a line of shirts that says, My soulmate uh, is black. So, uh, Carrie uh, sent, uh, sent me a couple. So, I told her I would go ahead and wear it on today's show. Uh, and so, Carrie, thank you so very much. Folks, uh, tomorrow on Roller Martin Unfiltered, our marketplace segment sponsored by Next Door. We're talking about small businesses, how they can actually grow their businesses by being on the uh, Next Door uh, app. We'll talk about that on tomorrow's show and lots more. I'll see y'all then. Y'all know how we always end the show. How? From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote are you still searching for your perfect place to call home well now is the time to buy at fisher homes if you're looking to move in before the end of 2024 may could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end if you're hoping to move in even sooner fisher homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you where you can start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.